Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use G-A-T-G. That's G-A-T-G. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code G-A-T-G, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. This is Grilling at the Green with JT After Hours. You know, the conversation that took place after the broadcast ended. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey, everybody. Welcome to After Hours here on Grilling at the Green. I'm JT, along with Jim Myers today, who is the golf course superintendent and the proud owner of a new putting green and chipping facility in his backyard, along with television and other accoutrements. Um, This is the show where we have a lot of fun, and this is the part where we can actually swear and tell real stories because we're not uh, governed by the FCC on this particular part of the show. Um, Anyway, and we'd like to thank the folks at Painted Hills. I'm sure you just heard a little blurb about them, and so uh, we really appreciate them being so kind to me over the years. You and I talked about a year ago, Jim, I think was, well, it was earlier, we're in a new year, so it was Mm -hmm. six months ago, Mm -hmm. whenever it was. And with the COVID and everything, things have dramatically changed. You know, I'm not one that's going to sit here and say it's a, you know, it's a, it's a new way of doing things. It's a new world order, all that. It's just, we've had something and we're dealing with it and we're going to move forward. What have you learned through all that? Yeah, well, I mean, golf has kind of been a big plus for that. Um, you know, normally for our club, we would do in the month of December, we'd do like 1,500 rounds. We did 3,000 rounds this month, um, which is just unheard of. Yeah. Um, so, you know, golf has really picked up. Um, you know, it's unfortunate. I was just talking to my friend, Chris uh, Chase, who's at Clearwater Bay in Hong Kong. His golf course is closed right now. The members aren't even allowed to play, um, which I think is kind of unfortunate. Um, golf is a nice thing where you can get outside, social distance. Um, you can walk and get some exercise. Um, and with not being able to, most people can't travel. Holiday plans were canceled. Uh, vacations were canceled. Um, I just think golf is a great opportunity to get outside, social distance, um, be with friends, and uh, get some good exercise. You know, it's it's kind of funny because they, they did not close down the courses in Oregon. Right across the river in Washington, they did. Yep. So we had a lot of immigrants, golfers coming across the border, so to speak, yep. and uh, taking up a lot of tee times, which some of my friends that live in the Vancouver area, I would, you know, jazz them a little bit on that. But in talking to the guys that are kind of regulars on the show, like uh, Gary Van Sickle and... Um, um john hawkins a couple of writers that if you've watched you know golf channel or read morning digest or morning read or any of those types of things you'll be familiar with them well one of them lives in pennsylvania the other lives in connecticut and both of those were closed the mm-hmm. courses were closed and so they would get real chippy with me when i was saying well you know we're still open and we can play and i think you <laughs> you um 
I think a lot of people when the states where people where their courses were closed really couldn't figure out why they were closed. They the the restaurant they could understand that, but being outdoors and stuff and and either walking or taking a cart or whatever, however you get around the course, they people really couldn't wrap their arm around or their head around why the courses were closed. It didn't make any sense to me either. I I thought the courses should have been open all across the country. Yeah, our governor was uh, really good. Um, obviously, she saw that there was a, a need for outdoor exercise, and uh, golf could really uh, give that. So yeah, yeah. So it's been uh, it's been great for for us and great for me. So obviously, being a golf fanatic myself, um, you know, uh, it's been nice to get out and play. It's a good outlet away from uh, work and family, and you know, or just a, a great avenue to spend some time with friends. Yeah. Um. We didn't talk about this on the regular show, but uh, as far as I know, the LPGA is coming back to Portland yeah. this year. Yep. And walk us through your prep for that. How far in advance do you start? And then how intense does it get right before the event? Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, we've we already started planning. Um, our event is scheduled in September, and our turf team is already uh, putting together uh, um, a game plan for that week. It's amazing how much planning and uh, organization goes into hosting a televised event, um, especially when... Um, you know, it's so far out. You would think that you wouldn't need to to plan that much, but uh, I've already uh, been dealing with my assistants on uh, what our objectives are going to be over the next few months, um, where we want to be. Um, we'll have uh, a couple of meetings um, as we go through, uh, making sure that we're hitting our targets and our goals uh, for uh, what we need to accomplish for that upcoming sure. event. Do you get the dreaded visits from LPGA officials along the way and say, we want this, we want this, we want this? Yeah, um, we do get the visits. I don't know if they're dreaded because uh, <laughs> I always like uh, um, spending uh, time with uh, uh, the officials that uh, we work with. Um, our rules official, Annie and Sue, are, are really good. I actually just saw Sue when I was at the, the U.S. Open um, down in Texas. Sure. Um, but uh, we do have an agronomist uh, that comes on staff, and he, he'll do a couple of visits. Um, I've known our uh, agronomist for a while, so... It's pretty easy. Um, he knows what uh, he's going to get from me as far as product and that kind of deal. But, uh, yeah, we really try to uh, start focusing really once January comes around. And um, our club is really busy. Um, so, you know, we need to be organized moving forward. Well, and you guys don't play the course for the tournament as it's laid out for the membership. Yeah, we re we reverse the, the nines. Um Number nine um, is our 18 finishing hole, which is right by the clubhouse. It uh, really kind of sets the golf course up um, for um, a great little finishing hole. Right. Usually when you uh, have an event, it, it comes down to usually the, it's amazing. Like most golf events come down to the last day, the last few holes on the back nine, you know, um, and that's, uh, that's true with Hannah Green uh, winning. Yeah. Um, she came all the way down to hole number nine. Um, and she clinched it, uh, on her, uh, second shot into the green. So, um, number nine, which plays as 18 for the LPGA is, uh, um, a great finishing hole. I wasn't so hot on it the last time I played out there, um, because of just of my general lack of ability. <laughs> <laughs> it is a tough hole. Um, when you're standing on that tee, you got to hit a, a pretty straight drive. 
Yeah. Um, you've got a tight little landing zone um, and a fairway bunker on the right-hand side. Um, so you've got to hit that. Um, and if you can hit a nice second shot into there, into that green, it's kind of a two-tier green. Um, depending on what the pin location is, if you can get that second shot in there, usually sets you up for a nice birdie. Yeah. That wasn't the way it worked for me. I, <laughs> I can tell you that, Jim. It just, the, the, the mental image was there. Yeah. The physical prowess was not. That's so. how my game is. <laughs> I stand on that tee every time and I'm like, I play the hole in my head and I know how exactly how it's going to go. You hit that tee shot and you're like, oh, okay. So yeah. now I'm hitting a three wood into the screen and uh, yeah. uh, hopefully it holds. And uh, hopefully you, uh, there's obviously water on the left-hand side. Right. So you cheat to the right and there's a bunker guarding on the right-hand side. So um, yeah, it's uh it never goes the way you want it to, but that's, I think, the best part of golf is you envision what you want, and it doesn't happen on that first shot, so you got to improvise. When when I'm walking around that green when the tournament's on, taking pictures, and then when you play it, like on Monday afterwards, you know, it does. it's not the same. <laughs> it's it, never it, the same. It's just not the same for some reason. I haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why it's so great to watch players, you know, um, when you can play your golf course and then um, you watch a player. Um, I yeah. recently played with Caroline. Uh, she's a member at our club and LPGA. Um, and just watching her play, it's amazing, like professionals, how good. They are. Um, same thing as I play hockey. When you step on the ice rink, um, you think you're good until you step on the ice rink with a professional player. And it's just total different worlds. And that's the same thing as just there's a huge uh, gap between, you know, um, a decent amateur and a really good professional or just, a you know, professional in general. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that over the years. And I'm, and I'm being sincere, not my normal smart ass type remarks here. But the first time I ever heard a pro hit a golf ball, mm. and I remember this still, and I've said this a few times on the show, was Andy Bean. And he's long retired from the everything now. I don't know what he's doing. But um, Andy Bean was playing in a, in a pro-am over at the Portland Golf Club uh, with Jack Whitaker. This was a J Jacobson's deal, you know, quite a long time ago. And Andy Bean comes, him and Whitaker had been at the bar already that morning because they were teeing off at 11 and they came out and they were looking pretty rosy and pretty happy about life, you know. And he walked up there and he hit that golf ball. And I heard that sound, mm -hmm. which is a different sound than when I hit it and probably when you hit it, yep. you know. And you heard that that rocket explosion and it just, and I'm like, wow. Of course, then later on, you know, I get to covering golf tournaments and being around golf tournaments pros some amateurs but pros and you hear that and you and you think well i can hit it that way no you can't yeah no you can't yeah it's not even close it's amazing the, the sound or just you know standing next to a professional golfer right. um playing golf um when we were down at royal melbourne and in, in australia um Adam Scott had donated his clubs that he won the Masters with in there um, on display in, uh, at the golf club. And uh, on the club face, there's a little tiny, like, worn-out spot that is, like, the sweet spot where you're supposed to hit. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting, you know, um, like when I hit a ball, um, you pick, pick a seven iron, there's, like, five different yardages you could get out of that because you never hit it in that spot. And you can never uh, make that sound that you hear when you're playing with a professional player. Right.
Right. Mine looks like a roadmap of Cleveland. Yes, there's, mine too. There's just stuff all over it. Yep. You know, every once in a while I get that spot yep. though. And that's why golf keeps you coming back. That's every right. Every once in a while you can hit it. Because you hit it, you feel it, and you go, wow. And, and one of your playing partners <laughs> goes, hey, great shot, man. It's, oh, yeah, I'm good. You know, and you walk up there. Then you skull the next one. Then it goes about 30 feet into the bushes. Yep. So, that's why we play, though. Yep, absolutely. That's why we play. It, it, it's always, it's that elusive feel and sound, I think. Yeah. I don't, you know, because I really don't even keep score anymore. Honestly, I really don't. I just like to go to have a good time. Yeah, I have a friend that uh, on the scorecard, um, she writes a smiley face or a frown face for the whole. No yeah. no score, just a smiley face and frown face. Yeah. So I thought that was uh, pretty neat. Yeah, well, I just... um. You know, I sign up for my handicap thing, you know. I hadn't for a couple of years, and I redid it this year because uh, just something I thought I should do. But I don't. I really don't. And I played a lot of scrambles. So you're one guy with a card, and he's like, did we birdie or did we not? You know, and that's really all you care about in those things. And and But that's fine for me. Yeah. Where I'm at with my game and, and my stage of life and stuff, I'm, I'm, I'm good with it. Golf is social. Golf is social. I, I will tell you a story. A few years ago, my buddy Steve and I were playing down at at Langdon, and we were playing with this doctor and his son. Nice, very nice people. And the son could really, and he wasn't a young kid. He was in his probably late 30s, early 40s. But he could just blast it off the tee. You know, he had kind of a weird stance and a weird swing, but whatever that's not my concern but he could really powder that thing down there problem was the short game and stuff you know but his dad was so proud of him because he could he could just knock the the face off that ball but when he came down to it they didn't play that much better than we did because i mean his dad played two or three times a week together you know anyway I'm just saying there's more to it than being able to take a driver and, and pound it 290 yards. Yeah, it goes to show with Bryson DeChambeau. Um, yeah. You know, he's uh, changed his putting. Um, his putting stats weren't very high. Um, he uh, obviously hits a really long ball, um, but he changed his putting, worked on his putting big time, and uh, now his uh, putting stats are much better. And obviously that puts him into better uh, positions for uh, winning events. Well, he had to do that too with um... – with Kepka a few years ago, he did the same thing. You know, he he was great until he got real, you know, uh, on the fringe and stuff. And then it wasn't it was rough for him. So he really put some work into it. And um, you know, you look at the result. Yeah. Hopefully, with my new backyard putting green and uh, chipping area and bunker, uh, my short game will improve and my putting will improve. As did well. you get a bunker in there too? I did. I actually got a pretty small bunker in there, which is pretty nice. You never told me that the yeah. last time. Yeah. Did you steal sand from the country club? No. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, did use the same quality sand uh, that uh, that the club uses, so it kind of matches. I think my bunker is more just for uh, visual and that kind of deal. Um, you know, I'll probably play out of it right now. My daughter's using it for a sandbox more than anything else. There you go. There so. you go. Well, just be careful, you know, check when you go in there, there might be a little shovel or a Barbie or something buried in there. Yep. She's left some stuff for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The kind of the last thing today, Jim, and, and, and I do this with most of my professional guests. Give me your prognostication for where golf is and where you think we're going real quick. Yeah, well, I mean, like we were talking about earlier with uh, COVID um, and rounds, uh, our club uh, just uh, did 3,000 rounds for the month of uh, of um, December. 
um, which is a normal 1,500. Um, so that's a big push. Right. We did 48,000 rounds for, for the year. That's a lot for our club. Uh, goes to show you with that many rounds that uh, uh, members are out playing. So um, I think the game's growing, um, and I think that's a benefit that's come out of the COVID. So let's hope that it continues to grow. I think so, and I think one of the things – I actually think one of the things that golf, the industry, has taken a look at um, is – trying to keep the prices in line because as we had that growth spurt a few years ago, you know, and they, and of course, right after in the early two thousands and that they were building golf courses right and left and developments and that, okay, well, that obviously slowed down. A lot of golf courses closed because they didn't sell out the developments or they couldn't keep the memberships up or what have you fine. But I think the, the industry got cognitive about the costs to, to players. Um, I think they've, and maybe I'm wrong because I don't see any stats on this or I haven't yet, but I think they've kind of leveled off a little bit and they've become, some of the clubs, the public courses and stuff have become more creative with different, you know, men's clubs, ladies clubs, um, little sub tournaments, different things like that. I think they've gotten very creative and made it, uh, it's not cheap and it's not free, but it's also not going to probably break the bank if you go do this stuff now. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, like you said, golf's growing, and if we keep it at a reasonable price, it'll continue to grow. Yeah, we like that. Jim, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thank you, JT. Always a pleasure being here. No problem. We'll be back next week with another edition of Grilling at the Green. Until then, um, just smile. Everything's going to get better eventually. I promise.